Welcome to Hostel Homies, a podcast focused on the best parts of backpacker culture. I'm your host, Joe Glasgow. Each week I sit down with a new guest, ranging from the people I meet while I'm abroad to professionals who work in the travel industry. Listen along as they share hilarious and inspiring travel stories, unparalleled recommendations on where to go, and tips for seeing the world on a budget. For Hostel Homies, it's all about the journey, the destination, and the people you meet along the way. Hello, Hostel Homies. This episode is brought to you by The Hostel Group. Visit thehostelgroup.com and support hostels by booking direct. <laughs> you are one of the people who has this problem where you have this awesome entertainment career that you need to be in the United States for, but you also have this passion for being a little bit of a vagabond. Yes, and the balance of the two is pretty challenging. I would imagine so. <laughs> what are you leaning towards right now? It's been one of those things I've been trying to do for a while where I combine the two. So right now the goal is to try and do some work in Australia and New Zealand soon. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely playing in Scotland in a couple months. That's right. Planning to do Edinburgh Fringe Festival next year. Edinburgh? I never pronounce it properly. They would say Edinburgh. (laughs) I think we all say Edinburgh. Which syllable do I remove (laughs) as an English speaker from the United States? Edinburgh. I don't know, I just have a lot of friends that seem to be involved in the same thing, like really liking to travel, especially Mm -hmm. as they age, especially as they get better at comedy, because there's a part of having to trust yourself to be able to work overseas and have people get your humor. Right. And in order to do that properly, you have to show up early, spend time in a city, get to know the people and have some local references so that when you actually do the show, you don't bomb. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So... I think a lot of people are kind of coming around to the fact that comedy can be a medium to do all these other things as well, Yeah. rather than just having to choose between the two. I like that. That's very good. Mm-hmm. Where's the last place you performed at that was outside of the U.S.? The Virgin Islands. Yeah. Uh-huh. Tell me about that performance, because you'd been there before, yes. right? And this is where you have a friend who lives who went there for a little while and then decided, oh, this is where I want to live for the rest of my life. She actually hadn't ever been there before. Oh, is that right? She was planning to move to a completely different island and Mm -hmm. it fell through last minute. And she had already sold her condo and sold her car in Chicago. Mm -hmm. So she just hit up her giant network of friends and somebody was like, I have a place available in St. Croix. Mm -hmm. And so she just chose St. Croix. About seven or eight years ago, I went to the Virgin Islands for the first time, Mm -hmm. went to St. Thomas with some friends and had a whole thing there that I used to talk about in my comedy. So it was always a goal of mine to get back and quote unquote conquer the islands Mm -hmm. in a comedy format because the situation and the relationship that came from those islands is what spurred me to start comedy because it was so bad. (laughs) (laughs) So I always knew in the back of my mind I'd want to go back there and show that island who I was Mm -hmm. and be able to have some references of the stories from before and bring my humor there and incorporate some of these stories. Mm -hmm. So when she moved to St. Croix, when my friend moved, I set up a tour in St. Croix, St. Thomas and St. John with another friend. These are all separate islands out there. Yes. They're all visible from one another. Okay. So not very far. Mm But, you know, in L.A. and in New York, we're used to doing one to two to three shows a night. Mm -hmm. And when you do a tour, you do a show every night. 
So that's what I had planned for the islands. Mm -hmm. But islands are small, yeah. so everybody wants to come out on one night together. Right. So a tour isn't really necessary. So I learned a lot that first tour, not to overstress the island with comedy because <laughs> they just don't need that much of it. They're so happy all the time. Sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, she texts me every day and wakes up and just sends me pictures of sunsets and islands in the yeah. distance. And she's just so happy by being in that location. She's mm -hmm. fully location happy. So a lot of people live in those islands because that's what they want. They just mm -hmm. want to wake up and see that every day. Well, and they've got this vitamin D and that they don't have to overcompensate for. Like we're in Billings, Montana right now where it's here's snowing and yeah, people want to laugh. They need comedy <laughs> they really need here. To laugh right now. Things are cold. Yeah. I had to scrape a car off today with an envelope because <laughs> there's not scrapers. Around. It was 60 yesterday oh, and now no. it's snowing. And in St. Croix, that's, that doesn't exist. That right. kind of day I mean, doesn't exist. Other things do. Every, mm -hmm. every location has its horrors mm -hmm. as you if you will um st croix had a bunch of hurricanes last year okay. and i know her and her friends were all worried about having to move and leave and mm -hmm. you know pack up their stuff but they didn't have to they just stuck it out together they did it again this year when they had another scare so it's just kind of a bonding thing for them they're like oh we're on, we're on an island we're gonna have to figure out how to make it through this storm yeah again. absolutely <laughs> outside of the comedy what's going on on that island on st croix mm -hmm. For me, what is so fun about that island is every trip that I've taken, I've been out there four times now, it's always been different. Even if you do the same activity, there's, for example, there's a group of Jeeps that get together every Sunday and they do off-roading excursions. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think is really cool. Like you live in a city like Los Angeles and everybody cares about if you have like Mercedes or a BMW. In St. Croix, you're cool if you have an amazing Jeep. Awesome. So the Jeep is what sets you apart on the island because <laughs> you can actually use it. Like it's, it's not a status symbol. It's mm -hmm. a usable vehicle. Right, right. So two times now I've off-roaded with them. I mean, you're straight up driving through the jungle, <laughs> like through puddles as big as the Jeep. You're using the four-wheel drive. Oh, yes. Yeah. Using the four-wheel drive, driving through trees, driving over trees. I'm not even <laughs> sure where we are half the time. I'm like, are we in a tree right now? There was one place we went this last time that looked like the surface of the moon. I have pictures of it on my Instagram, but it was one of the most picturesque places I'd ever seen. Mm -hmm. And the whole time we're stopping at these random jungle bars and drinking this potion that's called Mama Wana. It's a place called Norma's. They make this amazing honey hot sauce that you can't find anywhere else mm -hmm. in the world that I have to make my friends ship to me every once in a while because I'm craving it. <laughs> I go through the bottle instantly if I bring it home. Does it bring you back when you when you eat it? Do you feel like you're in some way back there? Nostalgic, yeah, yes, yeah. of course. And I just have to sit outside in California and get some rays on my face and try to pretend like I'm in a <laughs> islandy environment. Actual island, yeah, sure. <laughs> well, you're one of the people I've wanted to get on the podcast for many reasons, but you also have a travel journal. Yes. So this is very good because I think a lot of people forget all the times, especially if you travel a lot, you're going to forget a lot of these experiences. But for you, I feel like you have them pretty well in your brain, or at least you can go back and refer to them because you've got them listed. Yes. Well, the whole thing started as a travel journal. Mm -hmm. When I was 14, I was a student ambassador in Europe. Mm -hmm. So I student ambassadorized, what do they call it? <laughs> no, that's 100% right. Is there a term? I think that's in the dictionary, guys, look it up. Uh, <laughs> Ambassador. 
I ambassadored everywhere. <laughs> we were in Spain, France, and Italy, and I told you this, but there was 36 or 38 kids and only four chaperones. I mean, mm -hmm. imagine being a chaperone where you have that many 13, 14, and 15-year-olds running around Europe. That wouldn't exist today. Not today. No. People would not, people would have a conniption. But mm -hmm. at that age and at that time, we didn't have cell phones. It was just our parents just trusted we were going to be alive <laughs> at the end of the trip, and we were, yeah. and everything's fine. <laughs> but they set us loose. We would have buddy. We'd have a buddy system. My cousin was on the trip with me, and her and I kind of instantly found this group of girls that we bonded with, and. We were just set loose in the city and we'd have rendezvous points. We'd usually pick a tall place like, hey, that tower right there, be there at this time. Because you like to perch up on tall things. I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> you find and the tallest thing. And that's you perch another on it. travel story from Prague. Um, thanks to, uh, God, what is that green, uh, that green booze that makes people hallucinate? Uh, absinthe. Absinthe. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, my first experience drinking absinthe. I perched like a gargoyle <laughs> in the Czech Republic <laughs> on a <laughs> on a platform that was connected to a church that was probably ten thousand years old. I mean, obviously that's an uh, exaggeration, but it was the oldest, one of the oldest places well, in, in Prague. Yeah, Prague, no everything's kidding. really old that there. That architecture, especially, yeah. But yeah, I perched on it all night, pretending to be a gargoyle and. <laughs> Uh, making friends in the streets by doing so, by scaring them pretty of badly course. first. But I go, I go on a tangent. Um, <laughs> Only appropriate when you're drinking absinthe. <laughs> Everything else, people would be like, that's weird. <laughs> exactly. Absinthe in Europe is a whole different ballgame. Mm -hmm. But being in Europe at 14 for the first time was a pretty cool experience because I wasn't there for adult reasons. Mm -hmm. I wasn't there to party. I was there. I didn't really know why I was there. Mm -hmm. You don't make a choice like that when you're 14. You don't look at something as a future benefit to your life at that point in your life. Mm -hmm. I just knew it would be awesome to go to Europe. Yeah. And I'd only read about it in textbooks. And we went and we had to, we had to keep journals, mm -hmm. which I'm glad the chaperones made us do that. But they never really specified what to write about. And it was my first experience writing really anything and we got assigned different roommates every single night whatever city we went to so all the roommates that I had started talking to the chaperones about how I would stay up for an hour every night and write apparently I really liked to write and I had no idea yeah so I was writing these 20 page journal entries and it wasn't necessarily about the city itself it wasn't about the architecture it wasn't about oh, I saw this painting today. I mean, you're 14. You're not really appreciating those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. It was meeting people, having language barriers, getting lost, pranks that we were playing with each other on the bus because we, were dry, we drove around Europe on a bus. Mm -hmm. Things that would happen with the roommates, uh, trying to order things at a restaurant and failing at it. It was really... It, when I look back on it now, it was really introspective stuff for that age. Sure. Well, what a sped up process too, because when you travel, you're often in this beginner state anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, you feel like a kid when you're in a lot of countries where you don't speak the right language or you don't know the culture very well. Exactly. But you also were a kid. Yes. <laughs> it was like double. Yes. And double it was the confusion. Surrounded by other kids, and mm -hmm. our home stay in France was kids our age. There was mm -hmm. a 16 year old girl who took me. She was like, we can go to the discotheque and have a, a cocktail. 
And I was like, we can have cocktails here? <laughs> cocktails. What's a cocktail? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. And yeah. then it was the end for me once I discovered the cocktail. <laughs> I blame her this yeah, day right. <laughs> for all the fun I like to have. <laughs> uh, but I almost got kicked off of that trip. Really? Did I ever tell you that? No, I haven't heard about this. So halfway through the trip, the journals were collected. Mm -hmm. And all these other kids had kind of written really simple journal entries. I saw this today. I saw this. We went yeah. here. Went to this synagogue. Went to this park. Naming some of the sculptures that we'd seen. Okay. I did none of that. Yours was like I only wrote about people <laughs> yeah. and experiences and things along those lines. Mm -hmm. And... They did not like, they didn't like the fact that we wrote about pranks. We didn't like, they didn't like the fact at first that we pranked each other because we each had a different language book with us. Like yeah. I had a, French, a Spanish one, my cousin had a French one, somebody had a German one, you know, whoever we ran into would be like, who has a book for this? Mm -hmm. So we'd ask each other how to say things, but we would mess with each other and give each other the wrong words for a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but to me, they were so, it was so funny, mm -hmm. you know? And I wrote about all those things and they were, they were like, Natasha, you can't be pranking. You're representing the United States. And I, in my <laughs> mind, I'm thinking I am 14. Yeah, but you were ambassadoring all over the place. I was ambassadoring so hard. <laughs> so they, they, they were not okay. I mean, some of the pranks we were pulling were pretty, pretty hefty. And What's I, an example of one of these? Oh, it's gross. <laughs> Let me think of one that's less gross. <laughs> so you can be an ambassador in the future. Don't don't I tell one a, that's too far. Uh, <laughs> one of one of the fun ones. This this wasn't a prank really, but uh, we thought it was really funny because we were we had fourteen year old humor. Mm -hmm. There's those European. They're really popular. I don't think Kinder makes them, but it's those stir sticks made of kind of a pastry dipped yep. in chocolate mm -hmm. that you can put in your coffee or whatever. So we bought boxes of those and we would draw, we'd get them wet and draw mustaches on each other while yes. they were sleeping on the bus, things like that. I yeah, mean, some yeah, of the, yeah. some of the grosser ones I won't share because we were kids <laughs> and we were, it's not right. I'm just imagining pranks that still involve wiping mustaches on people, but it's way grosser. Well, how funny is it when you get off of a bus with a bunch of sleeping kids and three people don't know that they have a chocolate mustache? <laughs> that's still funny. That's still funny. It's still funny. In adult brain, that's still funny. And I have always been a journaler of both visual and written. Mm -hmm. So I had the written journal that I had just learned that I wanted to do mm -hmm. and that I actually enjoyed. But I was the photographer of the entire trip. I had all the pictures. And it was back when you had, you know, film. So I had all this film in my luggage mm -hmm. and juggling it and getting doubles for people. So I had pictures of all the mustache things. I'll, nice. have, to, I'll have to send you some yeah, so please, you can please. share them when, the, when this comes out. But basically I had to sit down with the chaperones and argue my position mm -hmm. and fight for the fact that I thought the important parts of travel weren't necessarily the inanimate objects that you would see. Granted, the, his, the history... And the culture of some of those things is really fascinating. You appreciate those things more as you age. Of course. But it, I was drawn to the people and, and the, the feeling of it all. And they couldn't argue with that. And then they let me keep my journal and they never Good. read it again. And then I kept journaling. 
For some reason, I thought you were going to get in trouble because you were writing about just drinking cocktails constantly. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> I ever write about it. the drinking of cocktails. Uh -huh. I read about what I wrote about from my homestay is it was in France and it was in Montpellier, or mm. however you pronounce. I'm working on my French guys. And <laughs> the mom, so she, there was a daughter and a son. The daughter was around. The son was not. Apparently, he was 18, but he was an underwear model. Oh, shit. So the mom was showing us pictures of him, and we a were French like, "French underwear model." Yeah, and Damn. we were we were like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" So I wrote about him. I was I hadn't even met him. I think I saw him one day for five minutes, mm -hmm. but I just remember thinking, "Oh my god, there's an underwear model in this." I didn't even know what what that meant. Right. I was from Wisconsin. I never even knew underwear modeling was a job. <laughs> it wasn't a thing that I thought somebody could do. <laughs> Can we rewind to Wisconsin really quickly? Because the way you were able to afford this trip, a lot of people would think to you know, go on a trip like this, you'd come from a really wealthy background because going to Europe when you're that young, you know, a lot of people who are doing that are way more well off. You had to do a kind of strange job in order to save up money to get there, right? Yeah. What was this job? <laughs> so when I wanted to go, my cousin had just gone. My cousin that went with me to Europe, her older sister had just gone to Australia through the same program. Mm -hmm. So when they were talking about sending my cousin Carla to Europe, I was like, I have to go. Well, Carla's mom was a nurse, and so they had the money to send her. But my family didn't have that. So I was in eighth grade at the time, and I got connected through my dad with a guy who owned a veal calf farm. <laughs> so I had to yes. go at, get up at 4.30 in the morning go to the veal calf pen at five in the morning where it's mm -hmm. pitch black and feed four or 500 veal calves, which is just going pen to pen with oats. And you, you're like feeding them with this stuff. I was a kid feeding kids basically. <laughs> and it would take two and a half hours and the sun wouldn't even be up yet. Mm -hmm. And it was so creepy. It was just the darkest, longest, barns and sheds with all these cows in it so it was very interesting and I'd go to school I was the only person that wanted to have PE as my first class so mm -hmm. I would one of the semesters I made PE my first class by request so I would just show up to school be smelling like cow barn <laughs> and then I would shower after PE class and start my day nice sure <laughs> you're only cowgirl for one period yeah 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 so weird for everybody. <laughs> so weird. But it, it, it worked, you know. I had to save up a couple of grand, which to even think about doing that at that age is pretty challenging. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's where you got the travel bug from. Yes, that's where it started. And since then, you've gone on a lot of trips. I have gone on a lot of and trips. And travel has gotten you into trouble and into some binds, but it's also gotten you out of those. Exactly. What is one situation where... And you've told me a couple of these stories. I don't think I've heard all of them. But one situation where you've gone somewhere, maybe ran out of money, and then kind of, <laughs> kind of lucked out in There's the end. There's a couple of these. It's, yes. I don't know what it is about my essence or something, but if, if I'm in a random situation where a contest of some sort is available... Mm -hmm. I just will win it, but I can't plan for it. Sure. I can't be like, I'm going to enter that contest and win. Yeah. Uh, the first occasion I can 
think of is in the Virgin Islands. Mm -hmm. It was when I went to St. Thomas the second time. Gotcha. So my first trip to St. Thomas, I met a guy. Before he moved to Chicago for me, I went back to visit him there. And he didn't have, I didn't realize he didn't have much money um, or a house or anything like that. <laughs> and so I, I was bartending at the time, so I had only brought maybe you know, $900 with me or something, all, whatever I had in my bank account, which quickly was diminishing when I had to pay for everything for the two of us the whole trip. So I had about two or three days left of the trip and maybe $150 left. And I was like, what am I going to do? And there was this contest that I saw on a sign in some bar that was an oil wrestling contest. And the cash prize was $180. Mm-hmm. It was either 150 or 180 but I was like, I'm going to enter that. <laughs> and so I go, it was this place called Molly Malone's right on the, the I want to say everything's on the beach in St. Thomas, but everything's on the beach <laughs> in St. Thomas beach, yes. <laughs> because it's just one big beach. <laughs> and I entered this contest and only one other person entered and she was, you know, in her 40s and she was joking about how I was going to kick her butt and I totally did. I was like growling the whole time and just messing with her. We were laughing. We thought it was really funny. Yeah, sure. So just only us two. It was it was olive oil. It wasn't a sexy thing by any means. You think oil <laughs> wrestling, you immediately think of like ring girls in Vegas. Right. This was in a plastic kid pool oh. in the middle of this bar. And it's not a pervy kind of place. It mm-hmm. wasn't just a bunch of dudes sitting around watching. It was like couples and young younger girls People like, just wanted to see it they match. wanted to see it and i totally won all three rounds and there was a famous singer in the audience country singer mm-hmm. uh, who watched the whole thing go down mm-hmm. and matched my prize money it was one of the kennys okay. <laughs> okay. and uh he thought i was hilarious mm-hmm. and when I went to the bar to collect my money, they were like, well, we have 300 and something bucks here because he, he matched it. It must have been 150 because it was, it was 300, 300 something dollars. So it was just enough money for me to have enough money to finish my trip out with. <laughs> <laughs> you already had the flight home set up. I already up, had the flight. But the, you just needed money to survive. To survive yes. for the trip. Yes. AKA drink Jägermeister. <laughs> <laughs> you needed your That's Jager all you need to survive in St. <laughs> Thomas when you're 23. <laughs> what, what do you think this is? And I know you said maybe it's some, something that you put off energy wise, but what do you think this is that gets you out of these binds? I think I just have an insatiable trust that things are just going to work out. Mm-hmm. What you need when you travel. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't get too scared about anything. You just kind of have to roll with things. So what, if you're out of money? Well, <laughs> so you better have been nice to somebody. Yeah. Hopefully they'll buy you a burger. That's you know, right. You're going to run out of money. You're going to lose your wallet. Mm-hmm. Things are going to get stolen and lost. You're going to get a flight canceled. Hotel accommodations, not going to have your reservation. Things are going to happen. So you just have to be okay with it. And I think that that kind of trust in the world to just take care of good people has always kept me afloat somehow. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Well, and it's just the people you meet too, right? Absolutely. I think when you have that kind of mentality, you gravitate towards other people that Mm -hmm. think that way too. And you meet the coolest people when you travel. You want to connect with people that are also a little bit free and... Mm -hmm want to experience, I mean, we're all here to experience something and it can't just be the same thing every day. Right. 
So. 100%. Are there any people who stand out that you've met during your travels who've had a huge influence on your life? Yes. I told you about this guy, but uh, there was a gentleman named Gunter. Gunter, yes. Who I, I used to bartend in Chicago. And when I was bartending, I had got this customer one day who just seemed kind of out of place and not out of place in a bad way. He just seemed there was something about him. And I started talking to him. If I ever was at a bar and had a guest that was just there by themselves, I would get to know everything about them. I always would take that opportunity. So I was talking to him and he was telling me how he was in his 50s and traveling the world. And I was fascinated by his stories. There was a lot of places that he had been, spent a lot of time in, was planning to go to, kind of sailing a bunch of places. And I was like, I really want to know about these places. And he said, send me your address and I'll just send you postcards. And he did. He did for months. He sent me postcards for a long time. And at one point, I think he was somewhere in France, sent me a postcard and said, you know, call me at this number. Let me know if you still want me to send postcards. I know mm-hmm. you're moving. And I think just being wrapped up in my move from Chicago, yeah. I didn't take the time to do that. And we lost connection. But it was a really cool, postcards are a lost art. Yeah, absolutely. How cool is it to just be living your life somewhere and a card comes with a picture of a different place on it and you flip it over and it's just a very basic message and a hello from wherever the place is. It's awesome. It's like a little piece of space and time flying at you and landing in your hand and you're like, oh, this is cool. Like somebody else thinking about me from yeah. way across the world from so far away and they, and they want nothing in return yes. the postcard is just a one-way message yeah because there's no real return address because you're assuming they're going to keep traveling right it yeah. doesn't it's not an expectant thing it's just mm-hmm. kind of a gift so gunter what did these postcards consist of i know you said that a lot of the times it was just a hey from this side of the world but did he ever he would mention tell me things about what he was doing in those cities 100 percent. he yeah. would tell me something really specific i because i asked him to do these things. Mm-hmm. I was like, tell me something specific about the city and tell yeah. me something specific about somebody there. Okay. So he would send me something about the city where he had been that he really liked and a concierge person that he had met that was really cool. You know, just so I could, I could save these and maybe go one day and reference a person yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I always have thought ahead and I've always thought of big picture. So I I even was talking about this the other day, but I used to save everything from my, my AOL instant messenger mm-hmm. conversations. I used to save those on floppy disk. Like I always <laughs> really? knew that I wanted to be able to reference things later yeah. and look at them and appreciate being young and silly and mm-hmm. whatever. So I at least knew that I wanted something to reference in those. So he incorporated that, which was really cool. So Gunter, you and, you and him lost connection. Mm-hmm. He's probably still out there <laughs> traveling the world though, right? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's a pirate, <laughs> but I hope I find him again one day or just a new, you know, a new pen pal. I yeah. mean, pen pals are really another lost art. Just yeah. some, somebody you can connect with and stay in touch with somewhere else and have a little nugget of their life every day to look into. Well, one, anyone who's listening, if you know, if you see Gunter out there, because he's traveled around there and a lot of people <laughs> who listen are world travelers as well. Yeah. If you see him. 
tell him, <laughs> tell him to get in contact with Natasha. Tell him Natasha wants to see, see him again and <laughs> reconnect and I'll show him all the postcards he used to send me and maybe yeah. he'll look back at those and be like, ah, <laughs> that I've seen so much since then. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Have you been anyone's Gunter? Have you been someone going around the world and sending people postcards? Have I? Mm-hmm. Only to my grandma. Mm-hmm. I do that to my grandma starting when I was an ambassador in Italy. She's okay. always wanted to go to Italy. I talk about that in my stand-up actually. Mm-hmm. It's the only thing that keeps her happy these days is the idea that she might still make it to Italy one day because sure. that's where her uh, father is from, Sicily. Got you. So when I was in Italy, I sent her postcards from every city and bought like fancy olive oils and spices and mm-hmm. things for her. And she still has the bottle of those. So her and I are really the only two people that have written like that. <laughs> she really appreciates handwritten cards so I've had to go out of my way to make sure that in my millennial brain that I take time out of my life to do that for her. Yeah, absolutely. It slows things down a little bit. Mm-hmm. So one more of these competitions I want to hear about. Okay. There's one maybe involving another famous singer. Yes. This seems to come up a lot. Yes and I'm actually headed there tomorrow, Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm on my way to Vegas tomorrow from Billings, Montana. But a few years ago, I was in Vegas, and we didn't know that this was going to happen, but there was a hand jive competition Olivia Newton-John was hosting. Mm -hmm. And my friend and I entered, and we took second place. And we got each $500 vouchers for the casinos. And through the vouchers, I was able to gamble that into (laughs) $1,000. And went home from Vegas with $1,000, courtesy of Olivia (laughs) Newton-John and my pure zest for hand jives. And I have to be really careful when I tell people that story because Mm -hmm. saying really fast that you're in a hand jive competition can be misconstrued (laughs) as something else. (laughs) Why was Olivia Newton-John hosting a hand job competition? (laughs) What were you having? Is everybody okay? <laughs> Do you want to talk about it? There's therapy available for these kinds of she things. She only got $500 for that competition. <laughs> it's the hand Were they dance. playing music from Greece? They were playing kind of that stock hop type of music. Got you. But yes, that song in particular, the hand jive, and people had to... It was kind of like an old sock hop, just mm-hmm. like in the movie Grease, how they had the TV people going around and watching each couple just go crazy. Mm-hmm. So my friend and I just got into it. Yeah. And we didn't even, you know, we don't, we're not pro dancers from that era. We don't know mm-hmm. how to Lindy hop or anything. Right. We were just making it up, and we not were going. Not pro hand jobbers either. No, of yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, I've I've tried. <laughs> Nobody seems interested these days. It's like a thing of the past. <laughs> Another lost start like postcards, really. <laughs> well, you've you've kind of lucked out in some ways. In some ways, you've earned it. No uh-huh. doubt about it. But it, it's just it seemed timing wise, you've you've lucked out with a lot of these payments and whatnot. Yes. Outside of that, how how would you recommend people travel on a budget? Well, advice number one, hands down, is don't be bougie. Mm-hmm. You have to be willing to let the experience guide you mm-hmm. rather than just trying to make everything look like the most five-star experience. There have been times that I had an opportunity to go somewhere and I was like, God, I can't afford that hotel. But I hit up a friend and I find out, oh, they have a brother that lives there or somebody to stay with. Like, sleep on a couch. Who cares? It'll make you not want to be there. And then you're not stuck in a hotel room saying that you were in Spain, not experiencing Spain. 
sleep on the couch, wake up a little bit uncomfortable, so you yeah. leave the house that's right. and go out into Spain mm -hmm. and see Spain, you know? So that's number one. Uh, number two would definitely be don't let, because I, I feel like this is people's biggest excuse, don't let money be a factor as far as, oh, I need to save up X amount before I go, because then you'll just never go. Yeah. I think you'll just figure out how to make money when you get there. I mean, that's why I've incorporated comedy and travel into how do I make money through comedy? Mm -hmm. So how do I make those things happen so at least my trip can be covered? And just figure those things out. I mean, everybody's got talents and skills or ways to do something yeah. work-wise overseas. It's fun to work with other people and Absolutely. get to explore those talents in a new place. So those are two big things, I think, that have allowed me to be able to travel as much as I have. Where do you think everyone should go, at least visit? And this can be a city, a town, or as specific as like a restaurant you once ate at. Oh, Banff. Yeah? I'm obsessed with Banff right now. I was just in Canada for a wedding in Banff, and I am certain that people have been hoarding the city for themselves because <laughs> I just didn't hear much about it. Yep. And I have been to a lot of places, and I played in Vancouver, and I had just been at JFL in Montreal where I saw you, and I'd never heard of Banff yeah. until recently. And then I went, and it's the most picturesque place I've ever been. The streets and the architecture feel like many different parts of Europe in one. Scotland, Amsterdam, like it kind of feels like a lot of things. The Alps, because you have these giant mountains behind and glaciers, and all the glacier minerals turn the lakes neon blue. So it's this like Caribbean color blue water yeah. with these beautiful snow-capped mountains behind. I mean, I just haven't seen and the Caribbean is gorgeous, obviously, but this was just a different type of beautiful. It was like a lot of different aesthetic things mixed into one. So yeah, I really enjoyed Banff. That's for sure a bucket list item for anybody. Okay. Mm -hmm. Go to Banff. Go to Banff. Natasha, I know you have so many more stories, but <laughs> for the next episode, we'll get some more, and I know you're going on more travels, so we'll, we'll get those stories as well. We'll have to get them after we're both in Scotland. That's right. Edinburgh. <laughs> Edinburgh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Hostel Homies.